based off the stories I've heard and just kind of putting two and two together, it seems as if I would have been aborted. That seems to be a very real option as far as, you know, what happened with me at birth. The day I was actually born and my adoptive mom in the room, neither one of the families knew about me. I was very much the secret child, so to say. When I came into the world, she hugged me. She kissed me on the forehead and said, hey, you have a good life, little man. And she handed me to my, my uh, adopted mom, June, and my adopted mom named me. She named me Joshua because she wanted me to have a strong biblical name. And Joshua was the perfect name to her. There was no paperwork. There was no agency, anything. Just handed me over and that was it. Our stories are what make us unique, but they're also what connect us as human beings. It's time to stop talking and start listening. This is You Talk, I'll Listen with Shannon Chapman. This week I'm talking to Josh, who was adopted and raised by a single mother. I'm hoping to find out what his experience was like growing up and what it was like to finally meet his birth family. So, Josh, thanks so much for chatting with me. I know some people who have adopted children, but I think you're like the only person I know who was the adopted child. So I know some of your story, but it's not your typical adoption experience. Were you adopted at birth? And do you know why your mom chose to adopt? So, so yes, I, I was adopted at birth. So what had happened was my birth mother, she was, um, during her pregnancy, she was living with her mother. She was in Houston. And um, at the time, she was going to the University of Houston. She already had two children. My mother is, she's rather short, but she had a larger build, so to say. So when she was pregnant with me, she just wore um, like bigger clothes, kind of like flowy dresses and skirts and things to, to be able to kind of hide the parents of being pregnant. So her mother one day made the comment, she said, hey, you know, if you have any more children, you'll have to find another place to live because we're struggling enough, you know, raising, raising the two we have. So not knowing she was currently pregnant with me, she, I guess she seemed to panic a little bit. And she eventually reached out to my dad, who was her boss. I I believe they were working at uh, Jack in the Box together. My dad was her manager. Not sure if they were actually together or anything. But eventually my dad was like, hey, yeah, me me and June will take her. And and June is my adoptive mom. So they were having that conversation maybe two or three weeks before I was actually born. The way my mom, well, when I say my mom, my adoptive mom, the way she actually found out was she overheard my dad talking to my birth mom. And so she's like, wait. We're getting a kid. So my mom was excited. Based off the stories I've heard and just kind of putting two and two together, it seems as if I would have been aborted. That seems to be a very real option as far as, you know, what happened with me at birth. The day I was actually born, my mom and my adoptive mom in the room, neither one of the families knew about me. I was very much the secret child, so to say. When I came into the world, she hugged me. She kissed me on the forehead and said, hey. You have a good life, little man. And she handed me to my, my uh, adopted mom, June, and my adopted mom named me. She named me Joshua because she wanted me to have a strong biblical name. And Joshua was the perfect name to her. There was no paperwork. There was no agency, anything. Just handed me over and that was it. This is your adopted dad that was working as your mom's um, boss? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was the, that was my adopted dad. So my dad is someone different. I've never met him. I, I don't know his name. I kind of have a hint of who he is because I, I kind of did, you know, some little online digging. Um, I almost remember the the, the site of uh, my yearbook, but I definitely did some digging in there. After meeting my birth mom, I knew what high school she went to, and at least as as the story was told, she was a cheerleader and a volleyball player, and my birth dad was a football player. So I was kind of looking around to see, okay. I think I have an idea who it is, but I'm not, I'm not completely sure. So my birth mom hasn't quite confirmed that. So I'm just kind of, I guess, stuck out here. Because <laughs> I thought it was just you and your mom. I didn't realize that you actually had an adopted dad. Well, yes, it, it was pretty much me and mom. 
my dad left the picture or I guess left the home when I was about, um, I'll say I was seven years old. We were living just outside of Houston, um, a little, I guess, a little suburb called Missouri City. That's how we got to Tennessee. He left and um, I guess he got remarried or, you know. So my dad and mom were, they were married, but they were common-law married. So in Texas, if you live together for a certain period of time, I would just say three years, um, you're considered common-law married. And then you, you can actually um, get the actual benefits of being married without, you know, actual ceremony or anything like that. They just, they just consider you married. My dad, snickily enough, he moved us to Murfreesboro. You know, he said, um, now Murfreesboro is where my mom's family was. He kind of gave us the story of he had like some gambling problems and he kind of wanted to get us to safety and get us away while he handled everything. But it turned out he, he cheated on my mom and um, basically remarried one of his coworkers. And so the way to get out of the common law marriage was obviously to move her to another state, to move us to another state. And then that would be legally broken. So that allowed him to go out and um, I guess remarry. And so that's, that's kind of what brought us to Tennessee. I guess really when, when I guess when you say adopted dad, um, he literally just I got my last name from him. Didn't really, don't really have too many memories of him growing up, except for he was always at work. He was a, um, I guess still is, he's a restaurant manager. The only, I guess the only memories I have of him when I was younger was I guess a few little whoopings I got. Um, <laughs> I remember those, <laughs> but but he was never like a uh, hey son, come on outside, we'll, we'll we'll play catch or anything like that. I don't remember any memories of that. Now I would ask you if you knew you were adopted, but I would think that like you might have figured that out pretty early, being that your mom's white and you're black. But you know, I could be mistaken. Actually, no, I did not know. Okay. So apparently, when I was really young, all the kids would say, you know. Stuff like, well, you only smart because, you know, you got a white mom or, you know, like little, little stuff like that. And my mom would always tell me, you tell those kids, you have two moms that love you very much. So, you know, little old me, I would go repeat that. And I go on by Monday. I got two moms. Ha ha. You know, <laughs> I didn't know what I was saying. I, I had I had no idea. Because they would make, I guess they would make fun of me. They're like, oh. I don't know if they would say you're adopted, but they knew something was different, and they they definitely uh, called that out. And it made me sad, but I didn't know why. You know, I was so young, I didn't, I didn't know why. So when she told me to repeat that, I would just do it with, with little thought. But I literally thought that was my mom. That's, that's all I knew. I thought, well, my dad is much darker than I am, so I thought maybe I just got more of his side. That's, <laughs> that was my reasoning. I didn't... Mom was mom to me. She she showed me love, and um, she was always there. So I had no I had no reason to question it. So the way I actually found out I was adopted was from fifth grade. I was one of two black kids in the school. It was me, and there was a little girl in the second grade. Her name was Carla in science. I'll never forget it. My teacher's name was uh, Mr. Petro, rest his soul. But yeah, I got a C, and I was so distraught. So I went home. My mom was working, um, so I was usually home alone for about three or four hours after school until until she got home. My mom had like this little uh, lock bag where she kept everything regarding me, right? Like she has like the little um, gown that my mom wore that they put um, my little ink footprints on. I think they put handprints too, but I know it's definitely the footprints. Um, like my first jacket is in there, my first little stuffed animal. Um, she, but more importantly, I went in there for all my report cards. So I was so distraught by the C in science that I, I wanted to go back and look at all of my, all my old report cards to kind of give me some confidence. Like, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a straight A student. And I come across this little folded piece of paper. looks kind of old. So I'm like, hey, what is this? I've never seen this before. So I open it up, and it's the um, kind of like the unofficial copy of my uh, birth certificate. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, hey, okay, that's me, Joshua Dwayne, Homer. Okay, that's me. I see my dad's name. Hey, I know that guy. That's my dad. I look down, I look at, you know, the area where it says mother. And I'm like, wait a minute, who's this lady? I don't know who this is. And I paused for a second and I immediately started to cry. I, that was probably the hardest I've ever cried in my life because I was just so confused and I was lost. But you got to think at the time, you know, I'm a black kid. I live in a very rural area. So it's always like there's never many people that look like me around. So I was already struggling with that. Um, I struggled with that a lot moving from Houston 
to Murfreesboro because at least in Houston, like my elementary school was 60%, 65% black. Um, the rest was Hispanic and, and white. So when I moved to Tennessee, it's more like 80, 85% white and the rest was black and Hispanic. So I, I always felt, I don't want to say like the black seat, but <laughs> that's literally <laughs> what it felt like. I was always the different one. Like I was, <laughs> you know, when we, when we moved here, I, I believe I was in uh, third grade and I was just so much bigger and taller and obviously darker than all of my cousins. Um, I was in third grade. I was bigger than my cousins in fifth and sixth grade. I was just much taller and bigger. So I just, I guess I, I don't know if I can say it was identity issues or just, I didn't know if I felt like I belonged, but I just knew that I was different. And I knew every room I went into that I was always alone. It was just me. So I guess having all those feelings, just moving to Tennessee and then seeing that my mother had a different name, I was just so confused and lost and hurt. And, you know, I felt lied to. And yeah, there was a lot of emotion there. So, you know, fast forward a couple hours or so, my mom gets home. She hears me crying and she immediately runs back. And I'm, I'm in her room, you know, and she sees what I have in my hand and she starts crying too because she knows like, oh God, okay. Now, like I have to tell him, I have to give him the stories. Now, you mentioned that the kids kind of used to pick on you because you were different. Did your racial difference cause any issues or you growing up either with others or like within your family because you know they're cultural differences but then i thought you know are there really cultural differences because your culture is being taught to you by who you live with and who is raising you mm -hmm. so was cultural difference ever an issue not really honestly growing up i mean yeah they knew i was different um but as far as cultural differences you know, what I was around was my culture, you know, at the time, like, like you said, so it was definitely different from, you know, living in Houston, just having that diversity around. But, uh, yeah, like me and my cousins got along great. You know, we played outside like, like everybody else. We played football and tag and, you know, got into mischief, like, you know, every other little family, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that wasn't, you know, as far as the family, that, that wasn't a big deal. I think the only struggle was kind of, on my end as far as just being different, right? Like, you know, my family is very, very country. Love, I love them dearly. You know, I actually got to see them about a month ago, you know, but they're very, uh, they're very much in tune to that, that country lifestyle, right? They live in the middle of nowhere. They like the peace and quiet, country music, all, all that type of stuff, which kind of a byproduct to that. I, I kind of, I, I appreciate country music, so to say. <laughs> now, I, I wouldn't say I love it and I, I play it on a regular, but, you know, definitely, um, more so than, I guess, more so than people that look like me, I, I definitely understand country music a little bit more. I'm, I'm probably more of a 90s country person. Like, a lot of the new stuff I don't know, I don't keep up with. But, like, all the 90s, like, Garth Brooks and George Story, all that stuff, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> when you were growing up, like, getting older, did you ever wonder about or have questions about your birth mom and your biological family? All the time. All the time. I remember. I'm going to say I was probably like 12 or 13 and um, I had, um, I got my hands on a Houston phone book. But something in me one day, I got to thinking about them and I went through the white pages and I was trying to find my mother's name. And obviously with the city as big as Houston, there was, there was tons of them. I want to say there was hundreds probably. And I'm going through and I'm calling every one of them. I don't even, I don't remember quite what I said on the phone or if they picked up or I didn't plan all that out as far as like, okay, what am I going to say if this lady picks up? Like, hey, I'm your son or, you know, did you go to University of Houston? I, I didn't know what I was going to say. But I think after about 10 or 12 attempts at, at calling, I figured, okay, this is a lost cause. I'm not going to do that. Threw the phone book away and I thought, it, it seemed as if I'd never find her. I'd, I'd never meet her. So I, I kind of gave up. But yeah, I, I did often wonder about them a lot as far as, you know, what does she look like? You know? Um, so at this time, I didn't know that my dad wasn't my biological dad. So I would always think, okay, do I look more like dad? Do I look more like her? Because um, I don't really look too much like my, my dad. Well, I guess my adopted dad at this point. So, which, 
what makes a lot of sense is I'm not his. But since I didn't look like him, I thought, okay, well, maybe I look more like my birth mom. Um, do I get my size from her? I was like, what other features or what other things do I do I get from her? I'm like, is she a very nice lady? Is she very strict? Does she have a sense of humor? Is she a big sports fan? Just everything. I, I wondered all that stuff about her. And I wondered, do I actually have brothers? Right? Because they all told me, well, hey, you know, she had two sons. But I wondered, okay, what were their names? What they look like? Are they tall? Do they look like me? Are they kind of, do they have my same build? So at one point, you actually thought that your adopted dad was your biological dad with your birth mom. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the reason I thought that was because, and and, and not to throw my dad under the bus here, but he loved women. And (laughs) so I thought, well, maybe, you know, my birth mom was one of those ladies that he was with her. And I was a byproduct of that. And I thought maybe she came to him and said, hey, I'm, I'm pregnant. And, um, you know, you should take your kid or, you know, something like that. That That's what I thought kind of what transpired. But it, it wasn't until I had that conversation with my dad when I was younger. I told him I found the, birth, the mother's copy of the birth certificate. And I was asking him about her. I was like, so what, what's she like? You know, but in, in my typical dad fashion, he definitely um, kind of stiff on me a little bit and just kind of tap danced around it and, and, and deflected, giving me details about her. Not Not quite sure why, but... In that same conversation, he did kind of allude to me. He said, you know, he was telling me about um, my birth father, and he was saying that that my birth father was some type of athlete. And he mentioned he thought it was like a famous athlete, right? So he was he was like, well, your, your dad could have been like a Houston Oiler, he could have been a Houston Rocket, something like that. So now me, very impressionable 12, 13 year old, thinking that my dad could be like a Kimelaji one or something. I'm like, oh man, I'm about to be rich. <laughs> So you know, as soon as I found my birthday, we, we you know, we we from beyond this little trailer, this little apartment, we we about to be in it. Come on, my dad, I got to get up out of here. You know, I got to, you know, make a way. And when I say get up out of here, that wasn't meaning I'm I was leaving my mom. Like my me and my me and my mom, because of, you know, my dad leaving and just being in a very, very financially strapped situation, we, we grew very close. So I I almost became like like when they say like when when they say little kids, Halo man, you gotta be the man of the house. I honestly and truly felt like I was the man of the house, right? Like I, I knew about you know my mom struggling with the bills. Like I, I knew that strain it had on her. So I always would um, try to keep her happy and keep her in a good mood. So I thought the best way to um, kind of keep my mom's mood mood high was I like I used to continue to get good grades and just help out around her house, right? You know, just try to clean up a little bit. Make sure my room was clean. Um, I never really gave her much hassle as far as like, you know, one things as far as like, um, oh, I got to have this special toy or I got to have this pair of, you know, new Air Jordans or the new sacks that came out because I knew that we just weren't in a place financially for me to have those things. So I, I tried to make it as easy as possible. Now, granted, I was just like every other kid. I, I wanted all the stuff I saw in commercials. Or I wanted all the stuff I saw that my friends had, but I knew that we just, we just weren't in a place for me, for me to have those things. Your mom did not legally adopt you until you were like 15. So what was the story with that? Yeah. So, um, so the way we got there was I was trying to get my learner's permit and, um, at least in the state of Tennessee, you have to have certain documentation to get your, your, your learner's permit. So all I had was a social security card. They didn't accept the mother's copy of the birth certificate. They, they needed the official copy. So my mom had to take my dad, my adopted dad, to court to become my legal guardian. Because technically, the state recognized my dad as my only legal guardian since we had the same last name. And actually, my mom, she kept the last name so I wouldn't have any trouble with getting to schools. And we had no problems in schools. And because of that, I really didn't think about that until maybe like five years ago. And I sat there and thought, wait a minute. Like you're telling me dad did all this to you and made you feel this way, but you kept his name. Every time, you know, you got your paycheck, you saw his name. Every time you signed your name, you saw his name. You did all of that for me. That's probably the most selfless thing I've ever heard of. To even have like the the foresight to think about that was just amazing to me. Now I know you did meet your biological family 
what did you mm-hmm. hope your first meeting would be like versus what was it actually like or did it line up? You know, it, it was it was a really, really good meeting. Um, so the way I guess the way I found my mom eventually was Facebook. I had like this. I just, I just know this particular day. This had to be 2013 sometime. I just had a really, really rough day at work and I was just really upset. Now, I forgot what actually made me feel that way. But I know that I couldn't sleep at all. I, I hadn't sleep. I said I hadn't slept for like a whole twenty-four hours. Something I, I literally was up all night, and something in me just started typing in her name in Facebook, and I just started scrolling and scrolling and looking, and I came across this profile had this African American lady in it. I said, "Let me let me click, boom, see who this lady is," and I'm I'm looking down the profile like like the um you know like the like the info section of the profile, and this lady is from Houston. She still lives in Houston. I was like, all right. And it says she attended the University of Houston. Now, at this point, I froze. Because I was like, there's no way. Like, this this is too perfect, right? And so I click on the profile pictures, and I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, and I'm like, she feels familiar. Have you ever had that feeling where, like, you see somebody in, in, in person, like, man, I don't know where I know you, but I know you from somewhere. And I, I can't put my finger on it, but I, I know I know you. That's what I felt like when I looked at her profile. And I just, I got a bit overwhelmed. I, I don't know if I was just sad or if I was happy, but I definitely felt very, very overwhelmed. You know, and, th- and this is at like 4 or 5 a.m. Everybody's sleeping and I'm sitting there looking at my phone like, I think this is my mom. I really, really think this is her. And I'm just like, I don't know what to think. So I take a screenshot of her Facebook profile on my phone and I send it to my dad. And now at this time, I'm actually, wasn't really talking to my dad at the time. I, I forgot why he made me mad. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to send it to him. If anybody knows this is her, he's going to know. So I sent it to him and immediately, now mind you, I haven't talked to my dad in, at that point, probably about six to eight months. He immediately responds. He's like, yep, that's her. When he sent me that text message, I was at work. And I remember I was in a meeting, like a team meeting or something. We was going over like, you know, some of the objectives and things we were going to get done for the week. And I, I literally, I got up and I just like, I stormed out of the room and I'm crying. I'm bawling. I'm, I'm just like, my face is swole. I'm just boohooing like crazy. So my manager runs out and she's like, hey, are you okay? Something happened? She thought somebody passed away. But she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? And I was like, no, I, I just saw my birth mom for the first time. And none of my, none of my coworkers actually knew anything about my story. So I had to, kind of give them the rundown of, you know, why this was so important to me, why I got so emotional. So once I figured I was her, I think three days later, I go to send her a message on Facebook. Something like, hi, how you doing? Um, You may not know who I am, but my name is Josh. And I was like, hey, I was born on this day from Houston, Texas. Here's my dad's name. Here's my mom's name. And I kind of gave her a little quip, like a, a very, very condensed version of the story. I was like, hey, this is what I was told who my birth mother was. And I said, I have a very, very high suspicion that this person could be you. I mean, I remember I was very, very careful about um, how I worded it. And I said something like, I don't want to, you know, come into your life. And, and I, don't, I don't want to uh, sort of like derail kind of what you have going on. I don't want this to be a, a hard time for you, so to say. But. I was like, well, it would be really, really cool if you were my mother. I um, attached some pictures of me when I was little. And I told her, hey, here's the elementary school I went to when I was in Houston. Here's the area I lived in. Here was my address. You know, my dad worked here. Here's my mom. Here's a picture of my mom. You know, back from that time period and, and picture of my dad as well. Never got a response. Because, you know, on Facebook... If you're not like, if you're not um, friends with the person, it goes to like their junk inbox or something like that, where they have to go and prove it. Well, back then, back in 2013, it wasn't as easy to to get to that message. So apparently, she never seen the message. So I'm I'm you know very very anxious and, and nervous about you know what she might say. So days and weeks and months pass, I never hear from her. I, I'm like, well, wait, you know, did I offend her? I hope I hope I didn't make her mad or anything like that. Then one day I go on Facebook and you know how like if, if you comment on somebody's page, if, if their status was public or whether they posted was public, it'll pop into your feed saying, hey, so-and-so commented on this. 
Well, my mom commented on my birth mom's page. She had like some funny videos she posted. And I was like, hold on, wait, wait a minute. Y'all are friends on Facebook this whole time? I'm waiting on this lady's message and y'all just kick in on Facebook like, and I'm over here a nervous, complete wreck. So I was very, very upset. And um, then my mom told my birth mom, my son, Josh, tried to send you a message. Go, you know, to your other inbox or whatever and, and find it. So she did, and she sent me a message. And um, later that day, we talked on the phone. And I was just so distraught and crying and, and excited just to hear her voice. Um, I tried to find a way on my phone to record it, but I couldn't figure it out. But I had, like, a screenshot of, like, when she was calling. I was so excited. Uh, <laughs> so over the phone, I, I said, hey, you know, I would love to take a take a trip down to Houston and get to meet you all. So she agreed. She said, you know what? I, I, I think that would be a good idea. And so this was my first time being back in Texas, period. So I had to make a whole trip out of it. I took a whole week off of work, and we drove. And so drove from Nashville, drove to Dallas, me being a huge Cowboys fan, which probably isn't the easiest thing right now because they're really bad, like <laughs> historically bad. But <laughs> so I went to Dallas, saw the stadium, all that good stuff, bought a bunch of like, you know, team apparel that you don't need, like like the most random stuff. Um, then I made my way to Austin. I'm a big Texas Longhorn fan, so I wanted to see the stadium and buy some stuff. Then we eventually got to Houston. And um, once I got there, they were called, hey, you know, we're in town. But she said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm busy at work. Can I just meet you the next day? So I stayed with one of my coworkers, well, former coworkers at the time. And um, the next day we got to meet. And I, I remember this, I almost remember the actual parking spot I was in. So we met at a Kroger in uh, Southwest Houston. I was in the parking lot. And I'd say about five or 10 minutes later, she pulled up. When she got out of the truck and was walking towards me, I froze. It was almost like life at, the, at that moment was complete for me. It, it was like um, it was like everything I wanted in life at that moment was fulfilled. Like I could, I honestly could have, I could have died in that moment, and I would have been happy. You know what I'm saying? I that was it for me. There was nothing else in life to to look forward to. Like this was this was the pinnacle. This was the peak. She's walking towards me with a big old smile. If the, you know, obviously we're just faithful of tears at this point. You know, my mom was filming, filming the whole thing, and uh. It was a moment. Uh, I remember that hug. We had to have hugged about what felt like three hours. <laughs> it, it, was, it was probably more like a two or three minute hug. But I remember I've never hugged somebody so tight. I, I probably could have suffocated because <laughs> I was so much <laughs> bigger than her. She's, she's every bit of, you know, well, both my moms are very, very short. They're, they both were every bit of like 4'11", maybe 5' foot at the most, like in heels, 5' foot. <laughs> And we just had a moment. We, we sat there and we talked and she said, I knew you were going to find me. She said, I knew this day was going to come. And she said, yeah, I, I was waiting on this too. So I'm sitting there crying and my mom, you know, both both my mom's crying. Mom's holding the phone. She's, uh, it's just, we're just all a mess in, the, in, this, in this Kroger parking lot. So she was like, well, hey, why don't y'all come on to the house? She lives, you know, just, just a short drive down the street. So I was like, yes, absolutely. I want to come to the house. I want to see you know, your domain, I want to see all this. So we, we, go, we go to her house, and um, as I pull up, my oldest brother is there waiting on us. And so this is the only time I've ever met him. He was there maybe five minutes. I shook his hand, and he looked at me and said, yo, what's up, man? He said, man, you're big like like Rocky. So my oldest brother, his name is, I think his name is Sharon. And then the brother, I guess he's the middle brother. I'm the youngest. And then Rocky is the, is the middle brother. He's the one just just older than me. But he was like, yeah, you look just like Rocky. I'm like, for real? So my oldest brother looks almost exactly like my birth mom. I mean, they're about the same height. He's no, he, he's about five six, five seven. Very, very, very in shape, I, I would say. So I meet Rocky later on that night. And as I meet him, I was like, yeah, I get it now. Yeah, we're, we're about the same size. I'm, I'm bigger, I guess, width-wise. <laughs> He's he was a, a, about an inch or two taller than me. Both both of them have a little bit darker complexion than me. But yeah, when I met him, I was like, okay, I get it now. And me and him are probably more similar as far as personality too. My oldest brother, very very serious, not not much of a jokey joke type person. Now 
Rocky, he has more of a sense of humor, even though he's, I tell people, he's probably like the, the more serious version of me, um, but still kind of funny. Like, I'm, I'm very goofy. I'm very outgoing. He's very subdued. He's kind of funny in his own way. He doesn't really try as hard as I do to be funny. He didn't care. He's just like, yeah, whatever. During my trip there, he was like, yeah, let's, let's, let's go to the gum range. You know, I was like, okay. And I'm trying to sound confident, like, yeah, let's, let's go. Let's do it. Like, I, like, like this is something I do every day. I shot a, a shotgun one time, and I thought my soda was about to get tore off. I was <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was very, very much afraid of guns at the time. Um, but, you know, I wanted to be cool. Like, this is my brother. Like, I, I wanted to be, like, I wanted to be macho. I'm like, hold on. Like, he didn't know I was gay or anything like that. So, yeah, we go to the gun range, and um, he shoots first. She's on target, you know, doing his thing, very confident, and he's holding the gun, and you know, no reaction from him. It's, it's like, you know, it's, it's like every day from him. He gives me the gun. He said, "Hey, you know what? I'll give you a new target, and let's see what you got." I shoot the first shot, and I halfway kind of scream a little bit because <laughs> I, I was I wasn't expecting the reaction. I was a little scared, <laughs> and I completely missed the target. I I don't know what I hit, but I, I didn't hit, I did not hit that piece of paper. Let's say that. <laughs> And um, I keep shooting, and I finally get the hang of it. Um, he's telling me, he's kind of laughing at me, but he's like, come on, bro. Like, you got to hold your shoulders like this. You got to hold your elbows and got to hold the gun like this, and this helps you um, kind of keep the gun under control. Well, I still didn't hit that actual, like, bullseye or nothing, but I actually was hitting the paper, so I was happy. I'm like, hey, I hit the paper. I'm doing good. So probably wouldn't defend myself very well, but I'm going to shoot at something, and then they'll, hopefully they'll be scared and leave me alone. That, that was my thing. <laughs> but yeah, that that was a pretty cool moment. So as far as meeting them, it was probably everything I had hoped for and more. I didn't really know what to expect. I think the one thing was I was like, "What is my mom like?" You know, like her voice was very like, but she's very very much a a typical black mom, so to say. And I don't even know what I mean by that, but like whatever I thought a black mom should be, I felt like in just that little meaning of her i thought okay yeah that was it she was she felt like the mom off of family matters and off of uh off of friday and off of um like aunt viv off fresh Prince. she felt like all those moms in one you know what i'm saying i was like yeah my mom fits in that like my birth mom she fits in that category she just she just has that coolness that a black mom has you know what i'm saying kind of funny but at the same time will like go upside your head type of thing <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, just all, all, all the phrases, like, I heard growing up that, like, that was very, they kind of tied black moms together. It was like, hey, oh, you want McDonald's? You got McDonald's money? Type, type of thing. The phrase that my mom never said, but, like, I can see her saying them. I just felt that in that little, you know, five or ten minutes of her meeting her in, in the Kroger. It, it was just, it, it was everything to me. She has a gorgeous smile. She has a great sense of style. I was like, man, this is, you know what I'm saying? Like, this was, it was, just, it was awesome. It was, she was just so happy-go-lucky, um, carefree. She felt very loving. I just, I, I just felt really comfortable with her. Like, it, it was, it was perfect. And then for me, meeting my brothers was just like the, the cherry on top. Like, meeting them was like, yes, you do exist. Like, yes, I do have brothers. Because I grew up as only child. And so, like, growing up around all my cousins who, they all had siblings, had that rivalry and, and the play and just, just, you know, the, the whole sibling thing, right? And it was always me. So meeting them kind of made me feel validated. I was like, yes, like, I'm not alone. Like, it's more of us out here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have brothers. Like, I can actually say I have brothers. Because um, growing up, like, my best friends, I would just call them brothers, you know? I guess, I guess they still are. I, I still refer to them as brothers and family and all that. But to know that I have real, like, these are my blood brothers. Like they're actually kin to me. They look like me. You know, I just I can't explain it. It, it, it was it was it was the best feeling in the world. Do you still have a good relationship with them today? Um. So my older brother Rocky, yeah, we we don't talk very much, but when we do, we cut up. Being being that you know uh, he's not a big sports fan, but he knows I'm a Cowboys fan, and so being from Houston and being a Cowboys fan is probably one of the worst things you can do in life to like a, a, a pure Houston person 
It's almost like <laughs> it's almost like when you're in Nashville and you're like a Memphis fan. You know, like in Nashville, like Nashville and Memphis have like this this unspoken rivalry. It's kind of the same thing with Houston and Dallas, but probably a little bit more intense. But yeah, he always makes fun of me. Like every time Dallas loses, he's always on my Facebook. He texts me like, "Yeah, bro, what happened? Who's this America's team you talking about?" Like, <laughs> so he's always he's always giving me some crap. Uh, but I love it though. I, it's like a certain level of like comfortability and kind of friendship. Like when you can you can like poke fun of your friends. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I felt like since he felt comfortable doing that with me, it just it just made me feel loved and welcome. You know. As far as my older brother, I don't know much about him. He kind of stays to himself. So other than that little meeting, um, that very first day I met everybody, I haven't seen him in person since. Like, I don't have his phone number, I don't have his contact information or anything like that. But one of these days, I hope to, to reconnect with him and, and get to learn with him. He's, he seems pretty cool, you know. I'm hoping that he's a little bit more in the sports than, than Rocky is because I love to play him in basketball and give him a little whooping. But uh, and I, you know, I'd love to like you know, kind of how Rocky to the gun range. I would love for him to do something like that with me as well. Like you know, show me show me something that you like, and you know, I want to go with you and let, let, let's do it. You know, let's let's figure out what you like to do. I'm hoping he loves basketball or he loves sneakers because if he does, we're going to get along very very well. Now, as far as my birth mom, our relationship is very unique, so to say. So obviously with the, with the initial meeting, everything was great. Everything was perfect. I mean, it was just textbook. Like this is what I had envisioned in my head. She's the most wonderful lady. And not to say that she isn't now, because she, she is a very wonderful lady. But um, after first meeting them, I made the decision to move back to Houston in 2016. And I made that decision because, well, one, I just always wanted to move back to Houston. And that was just, that's my home. I've always longed to go back ever since, you know, my dad moved us to Murfreesboro. So at the time, I, um, I had my best print job ever. I was working at the Nissan headquarters in Franklin, and I decided to quit. I was like, you know what? I'm going to move to Houston. I'm, I'm going to figure it out. So I, I left that job. I moved in with my cousin. My mom stayed here in Murfreesboro. I was like, okay, within a month or two, I'm going to find a job, get us an apartment, move my mom down, and everything's good to go. So in that period when I was when I first moved there and I was living with my cousin, you know, I reached out to my birth mom and and my brother and we and we hung out a couple times. In that time when, you know, it was just me there um, and my mom was in Tennessee, everything was great. You know, we hung out and um, it, it wasn't like every day, but it was definitely I, I say once every two or three weeks or so. I, I would actually get a chance to see him either we, we meet you know at some restaurant or I actually get to go to her house and. You know, just hang with her because um, she would watch my my brother has a kid. At the time, he was like three or four years old. So, um, yeah, my brother would, would drop him off at her house and, you know, he would go off and, you know, do his thing or just, just have some free time for himself because he was a, cause he's a single father. It's just him raising his, raising his little one, um, which, by the way, he's the best dad ever. Like, I don't know. He's just always there, you know. Like he, he plays video games with them. He encourages him to learn. He always keeps him looking neat. So he's like the dad that none of us had. Like none of us had great relationships with our fathers. So I tell him all the time, I like, do. You're you're the best. Like the fact that you didn't even have much of a male influence, and look at the job they're doing. I'm I'm just super proud of you. But yeah, as far as my mom, yeah, our relationship kind of took a turn a little bit. So fast forward, um, I moved my mom. You know, from Murfreesboro, and, you know, I, I get her, I get her down to Houston with me as well. And um, things kind of took a turn on Mother's Day. So this is my first Mother's Day where I actually was in the same city with both my moms. And I, I remember I was trying to be so careful. And I asked my mom, I said, hey, um, would you mind if I bought my birth mom a gift as well? Like, obviously, I'm getting you a gift and you know, I'm, I'm going to make your day special as well. And I don't want this to diminish you at all, but I want to come to you and be for and be honest with you because I, I don't I don't want you to feel like I'm casting you aside or I don't want you to make you feel like you're second place or anything because your mom you're at the end of the day you you we've been here we've been in the trend but at the same time now that I've met her and now that we're here in Houston I would love to do something special for her as well and she's like yeah she encouraged me she's like yeah you should you should do that absolutely I have no problem with that 
I, I think you should love both of us. I tried to explain to her, I was like, well, I love you both so much, but there's things that I can get from you that I can't get from her. There's a certain type of love I get from her that I can't get from you. So it was like, I really do need you both. So I contacted my brother, my, my brother Rocky, and I said, hey, uh, what is mom like? Because I was like, well, at this point, I don't know what to get her. So I thought, okay, you know what? I'm not going to buy her a thing. I felt like I've been to her house and she has tons of purses, tons of clothes. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to take her out to dinner. So I text her. I said, hey, mom. Actually, I don't call her mom. I call her name. So I say, uh, hey, happy Mother's Day. Hope your day is well. Hope you have the most wonderful day. And I told her, I was like, you know, I was mulling what to buy you, but I was like, I'm not sure exactly what to get you. I would love to have a day with you, right? I would love to, like, take you out for dinner or lunch or just, just whatever's convenient for you. Just take you out for some sort of meal. You know, you pick your favorite restaurant or whatever, wherever you want to go. I'll come pick you up and just you and me. And we'll get some food. And she made the comment, you know, a while back that she's a good dancer. I was like, well, yeah, let's, let's go dance. I'm like, we'll go to the club. We'll go anywhere. But she kind of like dismissed me a little bit. She's like, oh, thank you for the Mother's Day wishes and everything. But she was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really busy with work. So I'm, I'm not quite sure when we can go. And so me being very frustrated and very persistent, I'm, I'm thinking, well, when? I didn't expect to go that day, you know, or the next day. I was thinking, well, hey, if it's not this week or next week, maybe next month, or you, you just let me know when. And we can do it. No rush. You know, I, I get that you have obligations. And then I, at the same time, I get that the newness of me is still setting in. So I don't, I don't want to make you feel a certain way. So I'm like, hey, whenever you feel comfortable, just let me know what you want to do. And we'll set it up. I'm like, you don't have to lift a finger. You don't have to um, pay a dime. I'm like, hey, if you want a new outfit, I'll buy your outfit. We'll go shopping. And we'll get the outfit, and I'll, I'll I'll buy something to you know myself, and we'll, we'll have a day of it. But that day never happened, and so that was kind of the day where it kind of turned a little bit sour for me. It was all about I just want to spend time with you. I just want to be in your presence. That was enough for me. Like we didn't have to do anything fancy or special. For me, it was just like being in the same room with you was enough for me, you know? For me, I wanted to get to that level of comfortability, like, like, for example, like, when people come to your home, if it's, like, really close friends, you don't feel the need to, like, get the house perfectly spotless. You're like, oh, girl, come on in here. You fine? That's that's how I want, I, that's how I want it to be for me. I, I want it to be, like, when I come over, oh, oh, he ain't nobody. Come on in here. Every time I came over or we did something, you know, she felt the need to, like, cook up a big old meal and the house had to be spotless and she just felt this pressure to, like, just put on this event for me. Like, oh, God, we got to go somewhere. We got to do this. I'm like, no, honey. Like, what, what do you like to do? Like, so she loved the show Power. I'm like, honey, let's, let's watch Power. I've never seen it. You can teach me about it. Like, she's really into gardening. I'm like, well, okay. We can make a Home Depot one, get you some plants. Let's go garden. And really all I wanted was to get to know her. Like, hey, where'd you grow up? What was your mom like? What was your dad like? What were your friends like growing up? Do you still talk to them? What kind of music do you like? You know, just this little stuff like that. What were you like in high school? Confirm a lot of the stuff that I heard in the story, right? Like, did you ask to play volleyball? Were you asked to chill? Did you got any pictures? Can I see them? How was University of Houston? How was that whole thing? I really, I tried to steer clear of the really, the, like the burning question I really wanted to know was why, why'd you give me up, right? But I tried my best to steer clear of that because I knew it wasn't a comfortable conversation. So I wanted to know all the other stuff, right? The thing I was I was trying to get to was why was I giving up, right? I guess the thing I didn't understand was you already had two kids, right? So what was the biggest like what was it about me that you had to give me up? I could understand if I was like if I was the the first kid and you just wasn't financially ready and then you know, after that, you got yourself together, and then you had, you know, then you started a family, and you had your, your kids. I, I got that. But I was like, I could have just wore hand-me-downs or, you know, whatever stuff you had for them, just use for me. Like, what was it about me that was it? Like, that, that, that you had to give me up? Was it pressure from your mom? Or, I, I don't know, what was it? That's the, that's kind of the question I want to know. Then my, my thing was, what would have happened if my dad never said, hey, we'll, we'll take him. What was the other options? You know, obviously, I I assume abortion was, was a part of that. 
But it's like, I wanted to hear from her. Like, what was going through your mind at the time, right? What was, what, what was your thought process? Like, as you gave me up, did you ever think about me? Did you ever celebrate my birthday growing up? Because funny enough, all of our birthdays are within the first two weeks of April. And actually, the older brother, his, his birthday is the day before mine. So I was like, did you, ever, did you ever think about me on my birthday? Why didn't you ever try to find me? Why don't you ever, why weren't you ever around, you know? And then it was like, what about my dad? Who's my dad? You know, all, all those questions I wanted, but I didn't want to go right into that. I really was just interested in just getting to know her because I didn't want her to feel pressured or or anxious or, or anything. You know, I, I just wanted to get to know her. And, and honestly, it, it, if I never got those other questions answered, it would have been fine just because I, I had the actual relationship with her. Just, just something. And as it stands today, we, I haven't actually talked to her in probably two years because we had, we had a huge, we had a huge falling out. And so I, I just, honestly, I just kind of gave up on it. I was like, you know what? Um, you know, I, I do very much love her and I, I do, I do respect her, but there were, there were some things said that I just, you know, I was like, okay, well, I looked at it. I, I looked at it like, well, you know, if, if, if you don't want to talk to me or if you don't want me to be around or if you don't, if if you think I'm a hassle, then let me just remove that hassle for you. But luckily, you know, uh, my brothers understand um, that it's it's tough. But I'm I'm happy that I still have a good relationship with them, despite not having one with my with my birth mom. I do have hope that one day we can we we can figure it out, and I can actually you know bond and, and have like a, a real relationship with her. But I, I just don't know what step to take. I, I don't want her to feel like she has to um, just make up all the time, right? I don't want her to feel like she has to like, become my mother. Like, no, I, I want to like, just go from today and move forward. You know, I wanted to learn about the stuff in the past, but you don't have to catch up. You know, we can just take it a day at a time. Like, I think eventually I'm going to get back down to Houston to spend time with my brothers and, and his kid and uh, and my cousin. And so I'm hoping that when I actually get down there, I can I can be in the same room with them. We can we can talk it out and figure it out. It sounds like to me you're just seeking answers. Like you've been told a story, but you just want to hear the story from the person who lived it. Yes, I'm, I've never heard it stated like that. That's all I want. Yes, I don't know if it's like I want to feel validated, but I was like, you know what? I want to hear. I want to hear the the real perspective i don't, I don't want the the, the second hand i, I want to hear from you give me all the backstory that's all i want really i would love to have a relationship with her and i'd love for her to consider me a son so to say not not to say she doesn't but i want to be like a real person to her and not not just an idea but yeah that's all i want is just tell me what it was like on your end it just helped me understand why everything is the way it is you know what do you think life would be like for you if your mom had not taken you? Oh, I've thought about that and I'm scared. I honestly, I honestly think that um, either one, I probably wouldn't be here or I would have been probably in, in the foster care system. I have friends who, who were in that system and just some of the stories they told me, I was like, that very well could have been me. I probably would have been very angry and seeking attention because I'd be a war of the state. Like, you know, I would just given up and given up on. But I think because I was in such a loving situation, to keep it frank, the love was so good that I didn't even know I was giving up on until fifth grade, <laughs> you know? So, and I guess the more I think about it, I guess the more thankful I am to have had for my mom, June. Like, I, I just think about all the stuff we went through, and I'm like, man, even though, like, I, I wasn't raised in a, a very, uh, I guess, financially stable household, but just the fact that I had love was more than enough. And the more I think about what could have been, I'm just so thankful for for what I got, honestly. Well, I really appreciate you being an open book and just talking to me about all your experiences. Like I said, I knew part of your story and I've seen how much you love your mom. And now after hearing your story, I really understand where that love comes from. 
Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Stay tuned for the mic drop moment. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And guess what? It's free. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. For the mic drop moment, there were two words that stood out to me in the conversation with Josh. Identity and love. Josh has been struggling with identity his entire life. He mentioned feeling different because he was bigger and taller than most of the kids he played with. He was also one of the only black kids in his entire school. Even before he actually knew he was adopted, he felt different. Those of us who were not adopted take for granted the ability to look at our parents or siblings, even if they're no longer on this earth, and see elements of ourselves in their features, and sometimes in the way we speak and act. This gives us a sense of identity and belonging, which also gives us a sense of security. Josh never had that. He had never even seen a picture of what his birth mom looked like until he was an adult. In the most impressionable time of his life, where he was trying to figure out who he was and where he belonged, he couldn't look at the person who raised him and see those elements of himself. And that's what he was seeking. From listening to him talk about it, it's also possible that he might've had feelings of abandonment. His biological mom gave him to someone else and his adoptive dad left the family. These are two hard situations to sort out in one's mind, especially as an adolescent. He is still seeking honest answers to some big questions from his birth mom. And that makes me wonder just how getting those answers would affect his life and sense of identity. However, the one thing that's made everything okay is love. The love that his mom June has shown him since he was born has made all the difference. It makes me think, how might the love I show someone else affect that person's life? there's a chance it could be life-changing. If you enjoyed listening to this story, make sure you download some of our previous episodes and subscribe or follow the You Talk, I'll Listen podcast so you won't miss what's to come. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everyone listening. Grace and blessings. Blessings.